KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Good morning. I'm Anna Kukulbert. It's Friday, September 3rd. California firefighters in short supply. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. UC San Diego health officials are raising concerns about the possibility of a twindemic this fall, surges in both COVID-19 and the flu at the same time. Dr. Christopher Longhurst is the Associate Chief Medical Officer for UC San Diego. It's unlikely we're ever going to lock down and distance the way that we did last year. On the other hand, if we get to a point where we have indoor masking mandates again, that can help us potentially stave off a potential uh, twindemic. And he encourages everyone who is eligible to get the COVID-19 and flu vaccines. State and federal officials are investigating an attempted financial aid scam at state community colleges. It involves more than 65,000 fake applications across California by people claiming to be students seeking money to attend community college. In San Diego County, Grossmont Koyamaka Community College District officials have identified 200 potential fake students who applied for financial aid. Many of the online scammers are actually believed to be automated bots. A pair of orphaned bear cubs are in the care of San Diego Humane Society's Ramona Wildlife Center. The cubs are estimated to be about six months old. According to SDHS, the cubs were captured for their own benefit as well as for public safety reasons after they wandered too close to people. Project Wildlife will be rehabilitating the cubs to be able to go back into the wild when they're old enough to survive on their own. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, shaping the next generation of data-driven problem solvers. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu. Just when they are needed the most, California and the U.S. Forest Service are experiencing a shortage of firefighters. KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne looked into some of the reasons why. Ray Vote, the city of Escondido fire chief, says like many industries, fire departments are experiencing staffing shortages. A lot of people think that, uh, you know, there's thousands of people standing in line to get jobs as as paramedics and firefighters. And that's that might have been true 20, 25 years ago. But boy, we've seen a a change. Vote says the pandemic put a pause on the world, including school and internship opportunities. That cut off access to new firefighters. Even so, a state exemption allowed Palomar College Firefighter Academy to operate through the pandemic. Dave Miller, the program director, says classes have been full. We have a lot of people in the educational pipeline. They're just not in a position where they're ready to be hired yet. Miller says many graduates move north of San Diego County where there are fewer job requirements and better pay. And that was KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne. Insurance companies are dropping more homeowner policies in San Diego County because of the risk of wildfire. iNews Source reporter Camille Von Canel explains that that's not happening only in rural communities. 
The biggest jumps took place in East County, places like Poway and Hamol. But neighborhoods in the city of San Diego also experienced the problem, including Scripps Ranch and Claremont. Stacy Papazzi is an independent insurance agent who said it's been more difficult to find policies for city residents living near open space or canyons. We can clearly Google Earth it and we can say, oh, yep, this home's right next to Cow's Mountain. We can see why this company no longer wants it because of the way they're tightening down on their brush. You can check how many policies insurers are dropping in your neighborhood at inewsource.org. And that was iNewsource reporter Camille Von Canel. iNewsource is an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. A number of families from San Diego's East County were stuck in Afghanistan when the Taliban took over last month. Now, some are speaking out following their recent escape, and they're talking about how the Cajon Valley School District helped advocate for their safe return. KPBS's Alexander Ron Hell has more from El Cajon. Why you guys are leaving Afghanistan? Why are you guys not staying here with us? Those were the interrogations the Taliban asked Mohammed Faizi as he tried to cross the Taliban gate to go to the airport with his wife and five children in hand. His family is one of the eight families from Cajon Valley School District that traveled to Afghanistan over summer break. After being stranded there following the Taliban's takeover, the eight families seeked help from the school district and Congressman Daryl Issa's office to come back home. Let's see our family because this will be last chance that we can, we will be able to see our family. Faizi wasn't expecting the Taliban to enter Kabul until August 31st, the day U.S. troops were set to evacuate. Although Faizi and his family made it back home, the Cajon Valley School District says three of their students are still in Afghanistan and need help. On Thursday, Congressman Issa met with the families he helped bring back and made a call to action. He says hundreds of American citizens and SIV holders remain to be helped. We have a responsibility, having failed to give them a, a secular democracy that lasted. The Cajon Valley School District superintendent says they're hoping to soon be reunited with the three students that are still in Afghanistan. The families that made it back are grateful, but they ask that the door not be closed to their family and friends at risk. Their life is in danger. They're not staying at one home at a time. They're moving every night to different places. There's going to be a chaos coming. Before these things starts. we have to evacuate them as soon as possible. And that reporting from KPBS's Alexandra Ron Hill. While the U.S. asylum system continues to face an enormous backlog of cases, Mexico is also seeing a surge. In recent years, the number of people seeking asylum in Mexico has soared. From the Fronteras Desk in Hermosillo, KJZZ's Kendall Blust reports that the country has now set a new record for asylum applications. In August, Mexico received more than 13,000 asylum applications, according to Andres Ramirez, the head of Mexico's Refugee Commission. That pushes the total number of people seeking refuge in Mexico in 2021 to more than 77,000, surpassing the country's annual record for asylum applications in just the first eight months of this year. In 2019, Mexico hit a record high of more than 70,000 asylum applications. Numbers dropped slightly last year during the pandemic, but are clearly back on an upward trend. Recent data show people fleeing Honduras make up the greatest portion of those asking for refuge, followed by asylum seekers from Haiti, Cuba, and El Salvador. And that was KJZZ's Kendall Blust reporting from Hermosillo. 
Coming up, Staff Sergeant Ryan C. Knaus was the last of the 13 U.S. service members to die after the suicide bombing at the Kabul airport. I just saw the uniforms and I just knew. I think I screamed and I just, they asked, they were like, are you Alina Knaus? And I was like, yeah, I, I, I am. We'll have that story from the American Homefront Project next, just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a blend of computer science, statistics, and domain expertise. Learn more about University of California San Diego's online Master of Data Science program at omds.ucsd.edu. The last of the 13 U.S. service members to die after the suicide bombing in Afghanistan was Staff Sergeant Ryan C. Knaus. He was a 23-year-old special operations soldier from Tennessee who was based at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. His widow, Alina, talked with Jay Price of the American Homefront Project. She was the Army brat, living in various base towns as her dad transferred around. But he was the one who had wanted to be in the military since he was in elementary school. He never saw anything else for himself. He just wanted to serve his country, which was all he wanted. He thought that was the best way he could help people. Ryan Knaus had done a nine-month tour in Afghanistan earlier and seen combat, but mostly he mentored Afghan troops. It was much like deployments U.S. forces had done for two decades. This one was different, though. It was all about helping American civilians and Afghan refugees get out. You know, that's why he was where he was, because these people needed the help. That was their only hope. The couple met working together at a pizza parlor when they were 15 years old and began dating a couple of years later. His big thing, she says, was solving problems. He just was a fixer and it bled over into his work life, his love life. I mean, everything. He just had a magic touch, like he could fix anything. She means heads and hearts, people. It was funny because he couldn't fix anything, like with his hands, like handy wise, that was me. But mentally, he had always been, like, very interested in psychology. If you were the exact opposite of him, he would sit and talk to you for hours to figure out why you thought the way you did. She handled this deployment as she often did when he was gone on a mission. She tackled a home improvement project, this time tiling a hallway, laundry room, and bathroom, trying to finish before he returned. Elena had decided to spell out her and Ryan's initials in small black tiles. And I was like, this is going to be so cheesy and he's going to hate this, but I put um, just A&R in the year. She had those black tiles in her hand when the knock on the door came. I just saw the uniforms and I just knew. I think I screamed and I just, they asked, they were like, are you Alina Knaus? And I was like, yeah, I, I, I am. She couldn't sleep, so she finished the initials at least, sobbing as she went. Somehow, it seemed important, even though she already knew she'd be selling the house. The future they were mapping out was suddenly gone. My sister-in-law and I had been at TJ Maxx that morning, and um, we always wind up in the baby section. There was this little pink cardigan, and I was just obsessed with it. I, I was like, I have to get this. One of the last things I said to him on a, on a FaceTime call was, you know, when you get back, we need to be in baby mode. 
Instead of getting him home for baby mode, she flew to Dover to meet the C-17 that carried his body and those of the other 12 service members killed by the blast. The other families of the fallen joined her. So did President Biden, who had to lean over to talk because she just couldn't stand up. Alina Knauss said her husband had been a history buff and would have wanted to be remembered for helping others, for serving his country, and as a part of history. He is now. According to a Pentagon spokesperson, Knauss didn't die immediately, only later succumbing to his wounds. That means he was likely the last American service member killed in the war. He was helping people, and if he was the last, I would be grateful that no one else would ever feel what I'm feeling. And so to know that, yes, I'm in shambles and I'm hurting, but that no mother, father, wife, brother, sister ever has to feel such emptiness, I would be grateful to know he was the last. The last of more than 2,400 U.S. service members who were killed in the war, along with more than 100,000 Afghan troops and civilians. I'm Jay Price reporting. This story was produced by the American Homefront Project, a public media collaboration that reports on American military life and veterans. Funding comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a blend of computer science, statistics, and domain expertise. Learn more about University of California San Diego's online Master of Data Science program at omds.ucsd.edu.